Good morning. Let's open this portion of the service in prayer. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we welcome your Holy Spirit here, wherever here is for us. We welcome your Holy Spirit in our homes. We welcome your Holy Spirit in our hearts. We welcome your Holy Spirit in all parts of our lives. I ask today that you would just anoint our ears to hear and anoint my lips to speak your word. I pray that you just remove any and all distractions from us, that we might fix our eyes on you, Jesus, that we might draw closer to you and to each other, that you would fill all the space between us and allow us to know you more. In your name we pray, amen. So today I'm going to be speaking out of Philippians chapter 4. So if you have your Bible, you're going to want to have Philippians chapter 4 open during this, uh, this message. I want you to hold a question in your heart right now. Finish the sentence, I would be happier if. What is the if for you? I would be happier if I had more what? I would be happier if I had less what? For each of us, the answer to that might be different. For some of us, the answer would be, I would be happier if I had more time. I would be happier if I had less stress. I would be happier if I had more money, more recognition, more status, more possessions, more friends. I would be happier if I had less trouble, less disappointment, less responsibility, less debt. For everybody, the answer is gonna be different. But the bottom line is all of us struggle with discontent at times. Before this pandemic and all the lockdowns happened, so many people would say, oh, if I only wasn't so busy, I would be happier. If I had more time with my family, I'd be happier. If I had more time with my spouse, I'd be happier. And then the pandemic hit and more people had more time with their spouse. and more time with their kids and more time in general, but it didn't necessarily make people happier. The divorce rate actually shot up during this. People found out the things that they thought were gonna make them content didn't necessarily do so. When you're a kid, I remember being a kid and always wishing and always wanting to be older than I was, be like the kid in the grade in front of me. They're always saying, oh, I can't wait till I'm older. Because, you know, if I was older, then I could be done school. <laughs> and if I was older, then I could drive a car. And I could get married. I could have kids, buy a house. I could, I could find a job if I was older. Only if I was older. When I'm older, then I'll be happy. And as every adult hearing my voice right now knows, when you're older, those things don't necessarily bring contentment, do they? See, because when we're older, we can think, oh, if I only had a driver like that celebrity, I wouldn't have to drive myself around. If I only wasn't married to him or her, then I could be happy. If I was single, I would have more time for myself. Or if you're single, oh, if I was only married to that person, then I would be happy. Then my life would be complete. Those with kids say, Oh, if I only didn't have so many kids, if I only had didn't have all these kids interrupting me all the time, I could get stuff done. 
And those without kids might say, I only had my own child to love and take care of. Those with a house might say, if I didn't have this house to take care of, I didn't have to fix the roof and mow the lawn, then I'd have more time, then I, then I could be happy. Those without a house might say, if I was only out of this little apartment and I had my own house, then I'll be content. Those with jobs might say, if I only had a better job, if I only had the job I really wanted, then I would be happy. If I was only retired, then I could finally do what I really wanted to do. And then we get even older. If I could only still drive, if they hadn't taken my license away, my 90 something year old neighbor said that. If I only still had my spouse, the one that I was wishing away when I was younger, because they were driving me crazy. If they were only still by my side, but now I'm a widow, now I'm a widower. If only those kids that were driving me crazy, if only they would visit me more, then I'll be content. If only I had someone to share this house with, I'd be content. If only if I could still go to work, if I was young enough that my muscles didn't hurt when I got up in the morning, if I was young enough and I didn't need this wheelchair, if I was young enough to feel useful, to others. If only, if only, if only. From the time we're a child to the time that we're a senior citizen, there's always going to be things that we say, if only I had this, if only I didn't have that, then I would be happy, then I would be content. The author of Ecclesiastes calls this a chasing after the wind. You can't catch the wind, you just get tired out trying and so we try to be content and we strive to have that next thing or that next someone in our lives that will make us happy but the truth is we have to learn what paul calls in philippians 4 the secret of contentment so let's join paul here in philippians 4 and read together rejoice in the lord always i will say it again rejoice let your gentleness be evident to all the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned the secret of being content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. 
Today we're going to talk about the secret of contentment as Paul calls it. Why is it a secret? It's a secret because you have to practice it. You have to learn it. Paul says, I've learned it. It wasn't something that just he received upon salvation. No, it was a practice he had to discover and learn. And he passes on to us here some key guidelines to how to walk in this contentment. So today we're going to look at three points. Stay in prayer, shift your focus, and strengthen yourself in the Lord. So when Paul says, I've learned the secret of contentment, we might bring to mind all the good parts of Paul's life, right? Well, of course you're content, Paul. God used you to write most of the New Testament. Well, of course you're content, Paul, because you're so well-trained and eloquent. Well, of course you're content, Paul, because you're an apostle of God. You know, Jesus appeared to you. You saw him. Of course you're content, Paul. You're doing all these things. You're seeing healings and, and miracles and, and you're hearing prophecies come true. And of course you're content, Paul. But we forget that Paul wrote this letter, Philippians, when he was in prison. He was being falsely imprisoned under Nero, who was not a good guy. And in those times, prison, prisons did not care for their prisoners, okay? They did not provide food. They did not provide clothing. They did not provide entertainment, that's for sure. The kind of prison Paul was in was nothing like our comprehension of prison today. So Paul was reliant on God to provide his food, to provide his clothing, to care for his needs while he was in prison. He could have starved to death. He could have been so cold, he could have shivered to death. Like there's no heating or air conditioning in these prisons, okay? This is a bad situation. And yet in this bad situation, Paul says, I've learned the secret of being content. What's so interesting is when you look at Paul's credentials for discontentment, they're quite long. And so let's look at quickly at Second uh, Corinthians chapter 11. This is Paul who's learned the secret of contentment. This is his shortened biography. He's talking about people accusing him of being a super apostle. And so he's telling them about his weakness. He's boasting about it. He says, I have worked much harder. I have been in prison more frequently. I've been flogged more severely and exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews 40 lashes minus one. So 39 times he's been lashed. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones, get this, three times I was shipwrecked, three times. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, in danger from false believers. Paul has been in danger. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Who is weak and I do not feel weak? Who is led into sin and I do not inwardly burn? So Paul is showing us here 
He knows what it is, as the verse says, to be abased. He knows what it is to be hungry. He knows what it is to be in need. He knows what it is to be in pain. He knows what it is to suffer. And yet, he has learned a secret of how to remain content, not with his circumstance, but in his circumstance. He's not just suddenly made peace with the fact that this is happening and saying, oh, well, it's good. I hope today I get flogged or I hope tomorrow uh, I get shipwrecked again. That was a good time. That's not what it is. It's not a denial of his circumstance. He's not pretending to enjoy those things. He's not pretending to, to be happy with those circumstances. He's saying in the midst of trouble, in the midst of tragedy, in the midst of my trial, I am content in the Lord. I have learned the secret of being content. So let's look at our three points today. Stay in prayer. Paul says in verse six, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, Present your request to God. In every situation, stay in the place of prayer. Bring your prayers to God. Bring your petitions to God. Present yourself to God. Be present to God. When we stay in the place of prayer, we realize that we are not alone in our suffering. We realize that God is with us. Hebrews says, be content with what you have because the Lord will not leave you nor forsake you. Stay in the place of prayer. You will realize not only are you not alone in your suffering, you're not alone in your success. That God is with you, that God is for you. If God is for us, then who can be against us? God and you are a majority. With God on our side, there is nothing impossible. We see in Acts chapter 16, the story of Paul and Silas. And again, this is Paul experiencing the lows of life. He is stripped and then he is beaten, him and Silas, and then they're thrown into prison. And you would think his attitude would be discontentment. Like, God, how could you allow this? I was sharing the gospel. I was, I was telling people about you. I'm doing your work. Didn't you call me? That's not Paul's attitude. That's not Saul, Silas's attitude. In fact, they find contentment in the Lord as they stay in the place of prayer. It says they were praying and singing to God and the other prisoners began to hear them. The other prisoners who are probably complaining and saying, it's cold, I'm hungry, I miss my family. Here they hear these two guys who have just been whipped and they're singing to God and they're praying out loud to God. With thanksgiving, I'm sure, because it's, it's songs. And all of a sudden, an earthquake happens and God supernaturally frees them from this prison to the point where the jailer, he becomes a Christian and he gets saved. And so Paul, instead of like running away and escaping this, he, he decides, hey, I, I'm not content with this situation. I'm content in this situation. And he takes it up to uh, say, I'm a Roman citizen. This shouldn't have happened to me, right? He doesn't become complacent with the prison. He doesn't say, okay, well, I guess it's prison forever for me. That's okay. He's not complacent. He doesn't have apathy. He's not lazy. He doesn't give up in the situation. But what he does is he turns to God. He stays in the place of prayer. He presents his request to God. He keeps his eyes on God. With thanksgiving, he is praying in every situation 
And that's what's bringing the contentment to him. And that's what's bringing the peace of God that passes understanding. It doesn't make natural sense for him to have peace in these situations. It doesn't make natural sense for him to be content in these situations, in these tragedies, in these trials, in these troubles. And yet because he's staying in the place of prayer, he, he's turning his, his troubles over to God. He's leaving them in his hands. He's trusting God through prayer for what he needs. This is a secret to contentment. So number one, stay in prayer. Number two, shift your focus. See, what happens to breed discontentment in our life sometimes is that our focus is on the wrong thing. Sometimes our, our focus can be upon complaining, right? I heard this story of, of this employee you know, and he was saying to his friends, you know, I just need a thousand dollars. If I had a thousand dollars, I'd be happy because, you know, I just need a thousand dollars. That's all. That's all it would take to make me happy. And his employer overheard him and said, you know, I heard you say that. And I realized, uh, I have an extra thousand dollars. I'd, I'd like to, you know, help you out here. Here's a thousand dollars and uh, hope that it makes you happy. And as his employer walks away, he hears the guy mutter under his breath, oh, I should have asked for $2,000. See, because no matter how much we have, we're, we're so inclined to complain, right? It's never enough, is it? We always want more. We're always searching for more. Well, we get that new phone and then the screen breaks or we get that new phone and we see a newer model came out and like, oh, I should have waited for the eight or the nine or the does new things. And, and we're always re ready to complain. And the Bible says in Philippians um, 3, 4, do everything without complaining. Shift your focus from the things that are going wrong towards Christ. Sometimes we compare ourselves to other people. You know, things could be going really great in our life. And then the second we look over here, we're like, things are going a little bit better for this person. How come things are going better for them? Like, I, I was happy here until I saw what you have or what, what's going on in your life or how well you're doing. Or, and we start to compare ourselves and our situation to another. And it breeds discontent. There was a lottery winner named Jack Whitaker, and he won millions of dollars in the lottery. And he thought, this is my moment. I'm finally happy. And what happened is he found relatives kind of came out of the woodwork and wanted money. He ended up losing $500,000 of his winnings um, and get by getting robbed. His, his granddaughter, a couple months after he wins, he gets, starts giving her an allowance of money and she uses it to buy drugs and dies of a drug overdose. A few months later, his daughter also dry, dies of a drug overdose off of the winnings, off of the money that he gave her from his winnings. And he says, I wish I had that lottery ticket and I could go back and I could just rip it up. I, what I thought would make me happy turned out to be the opposite. We can compare ourselves to other people and say, oh, look, that person has more money or, oh, that person has a happier looking family or, oh, that person has a better situation than me but we don't know what's going on in people's lives. We don't know what's going on in people's hearts. Don't look at another person's path. Stay on the path God has you on and keep your eyes on Christ Jesus. Shift your focus from complaining. Shift your focus from comparison and towards Jesus Christ. The author of Hebrews says, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. He is the one writing your story. He's the one writing my story. 
Don't start reading someone else's storybook. Stay in your own story. God knows what he's doing. Stay content. So we need to shift our focus. And then thirdly, strengthen ourselves in the Lord. So Paul says, I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. He says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. This is this verse that, that um, it seems like athletes, like maybe the one verse they know out of the Bible, some of them, right? It's on athletic shoes. It's on posters. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And there's such a misconception about this verse. People take it right out of context and say, okay, well, I can be the best basketball player ever because I can do all things through Christ. I remember when I was um, a young teenager, another girl said to me, oh, you know, I read this, I was reading the Bible today and I read, I can do all things through Christ. So today I'm gonna take my bike. And she thought, I'll gonna, I'm gonna take a jump off a hill near her house. And I was like, that's not what that verse <laughs> means. I think I was like 13 and I was like, I'm pretty sure that verse doesn't mean Put yourself in dangerous situations because Christ will enable you. It's not going to give you wings to fly. Like you need to take these verses in context. And what is the context here he's talking about? He's not talking about a basketball game winning it. He's not talking about, about getting a trophy or a promotion. What he's talking about here is I can do all things. What are the all things? Well, he's already spelled it out here. I can live in all situations, whether I'm in need, whether I'm hungry, whether I'm in want, whether I'm abased, whether I'm in a trial, whether I'm in a tragedy in my life, I can do all things through Christ. I can suffer through Christ. He will strengthen me to walk through that suffering. He will strengthen me to walk through that valley. He will strengthen me. I can do it because of Christ. Not only can I, can I do those things, but I can face plenty without forgetting Christ. I can be well-fed. I can, I can be abounding in every good work and not take credit myself, but I can say I can do this through Christ who strengthens me. Sometimes we think contentment can only be found in the valley. Or sometimes we think it can only be found in the mountaintop. We, we think when I achieve this status, then I'll be content. But Paul is saying, I can do all things through Christ. So whether I'm down here or I'm up here or I'm somewhere in between, I can do it. I can be content through Christ who strengthens me. It's interesting, Paul, you know, he had, a, he had this amazing uh, vision of heaven. He was taken into the heavens, whether in the body or out of the body, he says, I don't know. And because of this great revelation, he said, a thorn was put in his side, a messenger of Satan to torment him. And he pleaded with God three times, take it away, take it away, take it away. He wasn't content with this situation. And what did God say to him? He said, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in your weakness. Paul says, therefore, I'll gladly boast about my weaknesses, that the power of Christ may dwell in me. See, Paul had learned the secret of contentment in every situation, whether he's having a revelation of heaven experience or whether he's being tormented by a messenger of Satan. He is content in God because God is sufficient. He is enough. He is enough for Paul. 
When Paul has no food, God is enough. When Paul has no clothes, God is enough. When Paul has everything he needs and more, God is enough. We read about David. This is one of my favorite stories in the Old Testament. 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 6. David was with his mighty men and they had gone out and they had, had done a raid and they, they come back to camp where their wives and their children were. And they see that an enemy camp has come and raided their camp and taken everything away, including their wives, including their sons and their daughters. And 1 Samuel 30 verse 6 says this, David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in his spirit because of his sons and daughters. But David found strength in the Lord his God. But David found strength in the Lord his God. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. David found that strength only found in God. It's not found in more zeros in your bank account. It's not found in more awards. It's not found in better Facebook pictures than someone else. It's not found in a weight on a scale. It's not found in a bigger house. It's not found in anything of the world. It is only found in Jesus Christ. These men were bitter. They had lost their wives. They had lost their, everything they owned. They had lost their sons and their daughters. They're ready to stone and kill David. David's about to almost lose his life. He's lost his friends. He's lost his wife. He's lost his children. He's lost his, you know, his army. He's lost everything. But David strengthened himself in the Lord. That is a secret to contentment. That no matter what's going on around us, whether it be good or bad, whether it be up or down, whether we be abased or we be abounding in the moment, it is not about my circumstance. It is about Christ Jesus. It is who has me, not what I have. That is the secret to contentment. So when you find yourself thinking, if only this hadn't happened, if only this would happen, if only I had more, if only I had less, just stop the raging wind. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Stay in the place of prayer. Shift your focus from comparison and complaining to Christ. And then strengthen yourself in the Lord. Let's pray. God, I thank you for the Apostle Paul and for his example that has gone before us. I thank you that you taught him the secret of being content. I pray today that you would just download into our spirits that same secret, that we would learn how to be content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Thank you, God, that we can do all things through you because you strengthen us. I pray today for those who are listening who feel like they have no more strength left. I pray you be their strength. I pray you be their refuge. I pray you be their rock. Lord, you are our shepherd. We shall not want. And so God, I pray for those who are in success today, who are abounding today, who find themselves in a place of plenty today, that their eyes would not shift onto all that they have, but their eyes would remain on you. Keep us focused on you, Jesus. Because in you and you alone are we content. Thank you for helping us find satisfaction in you this day. In your name we pray. Amen.